this week. How do you do? Uh, we'll wait one more minute. Good morning, Afrelecha Hanukkah. We're going to be doing um, the Sicha on Hanukkah uh, for this week, and it's in Chelek Tezbav um, under Parshas Miketz. Before I begin, I, um, I don't know why I didn't do this a very long time ago, but I just want to share that if people are having trouble following the Lashon HaKadosh because that's not their first language or even their second or third, um, the project does have the Sicha translated into English um, where all the materials are for every week. And if it is helpful to print out both the Hebrew and the English, uh, so you have it in front of you, and you can easily do that by going to the Project Kotesichas website and under materials for each week, you can find the Sichas in Yiddish, in Hebrew, and in English, and I think even in Spanish. Okay, Aleph. Benusach haneres halalu. So in the set formula, the liturgy, in the, in the paragraph haneres halalu, which we say after um, lighting the menorah, not to be confused with the al hanisim that we say in davening or in benching. Matsinu shaloish l'shaynes. So the Rebbe is going, and this sicha is going to focus on the three terms that are found in Haneris Halalu. And we say, Haneris Halalu Anu Maglikin, we light these candles, and we continue to say, Al Hachuiz, Va'al Hanisim, Va'al Hanifloiz. So there are three very specific terms on the salvations on the miracles and on the, or upon the wonders. Vishuv, and then again, we repeat these very three terms, Vesiyum Haneris Halalu, at the very end of Haneris Halalu, Chayisim Va'emrim, we once again repeat, Shalosh L'Shaynes Elu, these three terms, Aval Beseder Acher. But the three terms are repeated at the end of Haneris Halalu in a different order. We say to thank and to praise your great name. And then we order these in the following way. Upon the miracles, upon the wonders, upon your salvations. So the Rebbe says we have to understand two things. One is what is the difference between these three terms, and also and what is the difference for the way in which they're presented at the beginning of the paragraph and at the end. We already know the Rebbe taught us that every single thing is of great significance. Base. We're in the second part of the Sicha Hanukkah and Chilak Tezbov. In this paragraph, Muskarim loy rak ni secha, kim gam nifla e secha be Yeshua secha. 
we mention not only the miracles, but also the wonders and also the salvations. And so this proves this makes obvious that the mitzvah of lighting Hanukkah candles is not only to recall the miracle of the small cruise of oil, because that miracle doesn't fall into the category of salvation. But rather, we recall, by lighting the Menorah, we recall all types of salvations that Hashem sent our way in those days, and we recall them today. And the salvations and the miracles and the wonders that were done in those days are divided along those lines. And within these three categories, Belashin Rabin, it's plural, Teshuais, Nisim, Niflois. It doesn't say Yeshua, it doesn't say Nes, it doesn't say Nifla. Because indeed, the events surrounding Hanukkah include very many um, types and categories of ways in which Hashem helped us. And the Rebbe says, when you remember this, this also reconciles or answers a, a strong question, an additional question uh, that we have, or at least that we should have, uh, regarding recalling the miracle of Hanukkah. The Rebbe says like this, what is the question? B'nai's Purim, when you compare Purim to Hanukkah, and you look at Purim, yesh ne'chiyuv lahazkir es ha'atzole v'hayeshua mehaman harasha v'chulei, hein b'yayim v'hein b'layla. When it comes to celebrating Purim, we have a, an obligation to remember the, um, the way in which we were saved uh, from Haman HaRasha, both during the day and at night. That is, we have a chiyu, we have an obligation to read or to hear the Megillah being read both at night and day. Masha'en came by Hanukkah, but in contradistinction, when it comes to Hanukkah, B'nitzach and Al-Yavonim, that recalls the victory of the Jews over uh, the Greek Syrians, Sha'af hu hayan neis, v'yeser al-kein neis, goloi masarta giborim biyat chalashim v'rabim biyat ma'atim. That too was a miracle, and it was an it was an overt miracle. It was a very open and manifest miracle. As we say in Al-Hanissim, we say that you gave the strong ones into the hands of the weak and the many into the hands of the few. And that is different. Lahavdil. What happened on Hanukkah is different. That's different from the nests of Purim, the miracle of Purim that was shrouded and obscured uh, within the uh, what would seem to be alleged machinations of the natural world. So it's a question, how is it that that we don't have 
an out and out obligation to remember the miracles of Hanukkah at night, milvad ba'amiras ba'al hanisim ba'arvis with the exception of saying Alanisim, which one would say during Myrib and or during Birchas Hamazim. But the issue with only saying it then is Rishos. But we have this idea, this halachic paradigm that Myrib is not absolutely obligated halachically, although, of course, somebody who is from is going to say Shachras Mincha Mayrib, but Arvis still falls into the category of Rishus, which means that, of course, you should do it and it's a good thing to do, but it's not absolutely the same imperative. So, so in other words, Mayrib is negotiable to begin with. And Bayes ain't chiv lechel pas belel Hanukkah. And there is no halachic imperative to eat bread on the night of Hanukkah. Nimtza, so we would find there is no imperative, no categoric obligation if, if you don't understand the lighting of the menorah as the way in which you are obligated to recall all the nisim of Hanukkah, then halachically it would seem there is no categoric obligation to remember in, in concrete form, the miracle of the victory of uh, uh, every night of Hanukkah. And, but based on what we've said above, we understand that had lakas ner Hanukkah, so when we begin to examine the specific terminology of Haneris Halalu, that it says al hanisim, al choice, al haniflais, that it becomes clear that this is not just about remembering and mentioning and recognizing the miracle of the Pachshem Hashem and the soul cruise of oil that was remain that remained untouched uh, by the Yivanim. But rather than enlightening the menorah, we recall all the miracles of Hanukkah. And that reconciles the question of how it could be that Hanukkah is so different than Purim that we wouldn't have a of an obligation to remember the nest at night and at day. And the Rebbe has now taken care of that concern if this was keeping you up at night. And as we find, we find in general that one of the ways to mark, to, to, to memorialize, to remember, and to praise Hashem, that one of the ways to do this is to light candles. Okay. So now we understand that the three terms allude to three different categories of nisim, and we'll come back and look at that more deeply, of course. And in Gimel, the Rebbe says, Zehu gamatam seder And this now will also explain the reason for why these terms are listed in a different order at the beginning of Aneris Halalu and at the end. Because once you understand what these three categories are alluding to, you're in a better position to understand the, the way that they're ordered. 
Bitchila at the beginning of Haneris Halalu, Midubar al Shlesha Suge Hahatzala Bahayeshua Bechuli. At the beginning, these three terms relate to three different types or categories of um, Hatzalah, of, of being saved and of experiencing salvation. That you, Hashem, did to our forefathers in those days. And because at the beginning, these three terms refer to events that were experienced by our ancestors. Therefore, they are ordered very specifically, first on the salvations, then on the miracles, and then on the wonders. Because when you look at the story of Hanukkah, this is the order in which the events unfolded. First, there was a category of event that falls in the category of salvation, choice. Then there were out-and-out miracles. And only at the end was there something that could be termed a nifla. And the Rebbe is going to explain the difference in, in the next part of the Sikha. But here he's just kind of setting us up. So in the beginning of Haneris Halalu, we have the order in the following. First, we have choice, then we have Nisim, and then we have Niflois. And the Rebbe says that this paralleled the order in which the events surrounding the Nes Hanukkah unfolded. Masha Enkin, a contradistinction, Besiyam Haneris Halalu, at the end of this paragraph, Haneris Halalu, Taichen Haskarash Loisha Sukim Elu, who Hayesim Meurim Banu as Hahergesh Lahides Ulahalashim Chagago. At the end, these three categories are listed in the order in which they are most apt to arouse within us a feeling of wanting to. Um, thank and acknowledge and praise the great and holy name of Hashem. And the way in which we would react to these events, in other words, the order in which they would um, arouse or elicit within a strong feeling of thanking and acknowledging Hashem's kindness and praising Him is in a different category because we would react most strongly to hasug nisim. Hasug nisim hu arishon l'arib adam es inyan ha'idaya v'ahilu l'Hashem. When we experience uh, an out-and-out miracle in our life, this would be the strongest and the first category that would arouse within us um, feelings of thankfulness and, uh, and acknowledging Hashem's great hand and praising Hashem. Then the second category that would be most apt to arouse these feelings in us would be the category of niflois wonders. And the third would be the category that we would call things that, fall, that, that are tishuis, that are salvations but it's so much more subtle. It's so much less overt, as the Rebbe is going to explain in Dalit. And now the explanation. 
So we'll be able to explain why, we'll be able to understand, Rebbe will explain why um, we have these three terms, number one, and why they appear in exactly the order they do, which is different at the beginning and at the end. And Rebbe says, because when we understand the difference of these categories, these, these questions will, will answer themselves. So he begins to explain category number one. When a person goes out to war against another force, another army, another element, and it doesn't have to be a military war, but in any given situation where there are two sides, when you go out to war, against a force that is in the aggregate, both qualitatively and quantitatively equal to yours. So even when in some kind of adversarial situation, you and the opposing side are both equally positioned, let's just say, you're basically as strong as each other, you still need the Yeshua of Hashem that you should win. You still need that element of salvation. Why? Because naturally, in just the way things unfold, if you have two forces or two energies or two situations that are going head to head, basically equal, you don't know who's going to win. So sometimes one will win, sometimes the other one will win. But when one wins or the other wins, it's going to look natural in this kind of situation where both sides are equally strong, both again, the Rebbe says qualitatively and quantitatively, you still need a Yeshua to win because <laughs> That's how it goes in these kinds of sh- you know showdowns. One side's going to win, one side is going to lose, and it's all going to look quite natural because you know either side could have been positioned to win. And it's certainly not going to appear as a miracle that transcends nature. Because it's al-piteba, it's it's natural that you could have won or the other side could have won. Either one of you had the capacity to win. So that's Yeshua's. A nais, a second category, (coughs) who Yeshua v'hatzalo shelemayla midarech ha-teba. What do we call a miracle? A miracle is when we are saved in a situation, when we experience a salvation that transcends the laws of nature. It even opposes the natural conventions of this world. For instance, like for instance, if the side that was quantitatively and qualitatively weaker were to win the war. Or even a side that's totally not in the running compared to the side that they're fighting again. 
So when you have a situation where one side, Beder Chateva, is not positioned at all to win a war, and when they go on to win in this kind of situation, this is what you would call a nest. This is completely lemaila midarach So that is Yeshua's as opposed to nisim. Niflois. What about the third category? Wonders. These are events or happenings that arouse a sense of wonder to all those who behold this event. They're not actual miracles. They're not open and manifest miracles. Because it is possible to explain these events in Derech HaTeva. But still in all, but these are events that are specific because they are extraordinary. They don't happen all the time. They're not pedestrian. They elude the category of Hanhaga Haragila, which means regular, you know, what happens every single day. And that's why they arouse a sense of wonder and zehu inyan nifla. And this is what we would call uh, uh, inyan nifla, a wonder. Okay? Not a miracle, but not something that happens all the time. Something that takes your breath away. And here the Rebbe reminds us regarding Yutas Kislev, and uh, this recalls the terminology that the Altarab used in his letter, that he issued, uh, the epistle that he issued regarding his release in Yotes Kislev. That Hashem created wonders in, in the, in, 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 on, on this earth. But when you look at it, the 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 is release, his geula nitzkisav did come via the agency of different ministers, and it was comprised of multiple interventions, But at the same time, on the other hand, you could never say that you could just take this for granted that in the former Soviet Union, in the in the political climate and with the anti-Semitism of that day, that this was just hadhaga haragila, just a normal thing. That oh right, of course they would let Al Tareba out because they had put him in on trumped-up charges. No, it was still a pella kiim davar pella hifli. It was still a davar pella. It was still a wonder, even though it happened through natural means. The, the, like again, you know, there were there were a lot of overtures made and appeals made to the different ministers and different governmental bodies and so on and so forth. Okay, so now we understand the difference between these different categories. Okay, so choice we might say is like luck or edge. Okay, so it's a situation where Alpiteva you could totally emerge victorious or uh, emerge 
in a good place, but you still need that edge because the other side can as well, or it can easily go the other way. That's choice. Nisim is an overt miracle, and nifla'is are things that take your breath away. Not necessarily miraculous, but not something you get to see all the time either. I mean, <laughs> for most of us, every time we see a rainbow, I don't know, maybe it's just me, it's exciting. I mean, you don't see it every day. It's not a miracle, um, but it's still, you know, it, it makes you look up and wonder. Hey. So, in fact, these three types of events unfolded in the days of Hanukkah, and in the following order. First, there was choice, followed by nisim, and at the end, there were niflois. And the Rebbe explains how we see this. Nitzachan hachashmainoim hitchil oid be'iram moidi'in, or moidi'in. The beginning of the victory of the hachashmainoim actually began in the city in which they lived. Mokoim himatzam shel matasyo uvanav. Matasyo and his children and his clan and his larger family, they lived in moidi'in not in the modern city of Modian, but it's the city that's named for the ancient city of Modian. The Greek um, Syrians and the Hellenized Jews, along with them, wanted to offer up a pig. In other words, to bring a pig as a alleged quote-unquote korban. And the chashmanaim went to battle, they stood against this, and they were victorious. Haisa bekach Yeshua. So this you would describe as a Yeshua. It's a salvation. Why? It's not a miracle, and it's not a wonder. Why? Very simple. Because when Matasyahu and his children went up against these people, there weren't very many of them. So this was a Yeshua. Either they could have won or Matasio and his children could have won. And in this case, Matasio and his children won. And this is a Yeshua that Hashem gave the Jews. But this was followed by the Jews going to war against a formidable force that was much, much, much larger than them um, that Antiochus sent. And the number, the sheer number of forces of infantry uh, totally eclipsed the number that the Jews had. They were a superpower of the world. The Jews were at best uh, guerrillas, a motley crew. And this huge miracle happened, and this very, very obvious miracle happened, totally transcending nature. And as we say in Al in Al Hanisin, Masarta Giborim Biat Khalashim Virabim Biat Ma'atim, you um, gave over the, the mighty into the hands of the weak and the many into the hands of the few. Bene Yisrael Natsubim Machama. Bene Yisrael won that war, and that was an ace. La'achar Nitzachan Hamulchama, and after this victory, 
נכנסו החשמנאים לבייס המקדש, וחשמנאים ראינו את הבייס המקדש, וגילו שאין בנמצא שמן טהר להבלקס המנהירה. And they revealed a, 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 a fact that there was no pure oil for lighting the menorah, which uh, was lit every single day in the menorah and with uh, in the base of Mikdash, with which they wanted to once again, um, you know, inaugurate the, the base of Mikdash after they cleaned it and they brought it back to its purity. And why was there no oil? Because the Greek Syrians had systematically made impure all of the oil that was in the, in the sanctuary. And so they couldn't find any until till they found one lone cruise of oil that still had the seal of the Kohen Gadol that attested to its ritual purity intact. Now this event that they found, this lone cruise of oil, was not what you would call a nace. And the Rebbe says in the brackets, and if you really press it, you might even be able to say that this was completely a natural event. That they just didn't notice this Pach Shemen. In other words, it doesn't have to be that this is a crazy miracle. It could even be explained in normal terms. I mean, the truth of the matter is, I've always been kind of, um, in my imagination, I've always been arrested by the, by the scene of these mighty warriors standing there and systematically ripping off the seal of the Kayin Gadol. Like, that has to be one of the most interesting parts of this entire story. You know, it's just fascinating. And it just underscores what this whole, um, what the whole conflict was about in, you know, in crystal clear uh, fashion. Ubefrat, um, the Rebbe says, and especially you could explain it, the way the taste explains it, that you have to say, that this little bottle or cruise um, that remained, that was sealed, uh, was kind of lodged in the ground. And this would be an unusual, an extraordinary thing. And the reason this would be unusual is because in the Beis Hamikdash there was actually um, a special storage area for the purpose of storing these oils. One would imagine that there would be shelves upon which these oils were stored. So it's kind of strange that this one cruise of oil should escape the organized fashion in which they were stored and be lodged in the ground. We'll move on AFI, but if you, if you understand it this way, that it was lodged in the ground, then you could understand and move on. They, they weren't looking in the ground for extra cruises of oil because that's not where they were stored. In other words, if you would say that they were systematically stored in the ground, then it would be like more of a miracle that one remains, um, remains 
intact with the seal. But if they're all stored in one place, let's say on shelves or somehow, then you understand why they wouldn't be looking in the ground for extra pachim, shemen. Um, I see, let me just open up the chat because I saw something flit across the screen. Oh, I always picture that the Yavanim just smashed the pachim. Uh, so I, I uh, you know, I wasn't there. <laughs> um, and I am sure some of them were smashed. Um, but I, I'm going, and now I'm curious. Now I'm going to look it up. But I always imagine that mostly they took off the, the seal, like it was a dafka, like, the Rebbe explains this in, in, in Sichas, like the whole, the whole thing, the whole nest is extraordinary because Alpi Halacha, um, if you don't have Shem and Tahar, then you could light with pedestrian oil until you're able to procure the special oil for the menorah. But since the Jews showed Mysterious Nefesh, and since they showed that they weren't going to use any regular oil, they were just going to use this very, very special oil that came from the first drop from every olive and so on and so on. Therefore, in reciprocal fashion, the Abish just sent us this huge nest that the oil lasted for, you know, for the entire eight days, as opposed to only lasting for one day. Um, so Mashi, I, I have to look it up or anybody, if, if somebody knows, please, please pick up. Um, but I, I, I somehow... Uh, I don't know if it was the way I learned it or the way I, I just imagined it, that they, they took off the seal because this whole conflict was really about, hey, we don't care if you stay alive. You know, that, that again, they have so many secrets about the difference between Purim and Hanukkah. So Purim, the Kittrick was on the Guf. Hanukkah is all about the Kittrick on the Neshama, on the Lamaila Midera Chateva. Um, the whole idea of ritual purity totally transcends logic. And that's what they were attacking. And, and that's why it was a big deal, you know, if the seal was intact or not. Um, so that's some homework. Uh, I, I, and if, again, if somebody knows right now, and I'm going to see if we could find uh, exactly what it was that occurred, if it was smashed, if, it were, if, this, if the seal was tampered with or it was some kind of combination. Um, but but the Rebbe says, but if you go according to the face that he says it was lodged in the ground, so you understand why the Yivana wouldn't be looking. And according to this, we'll also understand better how the um, the Hashmonaim were so confident that this was pure oil that the Yavanim wouldn't have made impure just by moving it from place to place. Because it was lodged in the earth, then they, they felt that it was, it was secure, that, that its purity had not been at all um, compromised. Okay, so the Rebbe says, it's definitely not a mess. You might even be able to say that it's natural that one little crew should remain. Aval safe, safe. But at the end of the day, But you have to agree that this was a davar pella, that this was a wonder. All the other hundreds and hundreds, maybe there were thousands. Again, I don't know how many, but again, I always visualize a huge storehouse of cruises of oil are all systematically made impure by, by the Greek Syrians. 
And this one lone cruise of oil, and the Rebbe says in parentheses, Hayatomun Bekarka, exclamation point, that became lodged in the earth. So that's also a, a Davar Nifla. It's also a Davar Pella. Uh, it's a wonder. Nishar Shalem, this one remains complete. Mibli Shenagubay Klau. And they didn't even touch it. And the Rebbe says, And of course, after the Rebbe charts or maps out the order of events. So first there was the choice, the showdown between Matasio and his sons and the Yavanim that lived in Modin. Then there was the war. That was the Ness. Now we have the Niflois, the Davar Pella, the wondrous event that they found this cruise of oil. And the Rebbe says in brackets, of course, and after this happened an additional miracle, that from this one cruise of oil, it could be lit for eight days. And there were many other things that could be categorized as salvation and wondrous events. Um, and we'll just... Um, mention, not go into it here, because um, it is Hanukkah. I know it's, 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 it's hectic for everyone, and I wanted to actually finish in under an hour, and there is a possibility for that to happen with this sikha. It's short enough, but I do want to pay attention to the fact that Rebbe has a number of sikhas where he analyzes exactly what was the nace of the Shemen. Exactly how did this nace occur? And totally fascinating. Did the nature of the oil change or was the miracle in the amount that was consumed and, and so on and so forth. Vav. So this chronology, this order, choice, nisim v'niflois, first the salvation, then the out and out miracle, and then the wondrous things. Matim so this is the proper chronology. This all aptly reflects the series of events that happened by Yamimahin, happened in those days to our ancestors in the time of Hanukkah. But at the end of the paragraph, when we talk more generally about pre about uh, thanking Hashem and praising and giving praise to Hashem's great name. But when we talk about recalling these events in later years, then the, the order changes. The Chalaraish, first of all, whether we're recalling what happened during Hanukkah or in our own lives. First of all, we are moved to thank and to praise Hashem for Nisim. Those are the things we all can recognize very easily that it's Yad Hashem. There's no way that you can make a mistake about certain events in our personal life, in our national life. Everyone recognizes it's Yad Hashem. Afterwards, it is incumbent upon us to contemplate and to meditate on, on the many other events, and to recognize that the real category that these events fall into, irrespective of the fact that there might be a natural way to explain them, that they are wonders that Hashem uh, 
performs for us. Even if it's true that the one who wants to make a mistake will make a mistake. In other words, they can be mistaken for natural occurrences, but we have to recognize that they're nefloys. And when we recognize this properly, we thank and we acknowledge and we praise Hashem for these events. And then at the end, in other words, third, we come to a recognition that even for those events that are quote unquote simply Yeshua Secha, they are definitely not miracles, and they're not even wondrous events. Yes, they do fall into the category of natural events. We still have to thank and praise Hashem. We all got up this morning, Baruch Hashem, and we're sitting here together, and we're able to learn, and, and we have our faculties we have to thank for this, because we have to understand that all of this that appears as simply Yeshua's, things that we take for granted, it's La Hashem. It all belongs to Hashem. Nature itself is above nature. And therefore, things that fall into the category of Yeshua, they too must elicit and arouse within us a feeling of thankfulness and a haida's thankfulness and acknowledgement, behilul and praise. And now the Rebbe, uh, for the rest of the Sikha, because he's explained the necessity of the three terms and he's explained the order in which they appear at the beginning as opposed to the end. Now the Rebbe is going to go deeper into this Indian on a deeper level, the difference between these three categories. And um, this is just such a beautiful Hanukkah present that we're getting this morning uh, to be able to learn this. There are many, many sikhas and maimorim on this Indian. Eitzel B'nai Yisrael, when it comes to B'nai Yisrael, hashbaz hachayus hilichatchila mifchinas elokush lemayla mihateva. We have to know that any hashba, any effluence, any vivifying force that comes down to a Jew from the beginning, it comes from a modality of elokus that transcends teva, that transcends nature. It's only that this transcendent, um, supranatural hashba is presented to us with a facade called nature. It's enclosed in, in, in the levush of Teba, Kiloimai, that is to say. This is in addition to the fact that nature, of course, is, is, is Hashem. It's already Hanhaga Elokis. Anything within nature is, is, is Hashem's machinations. So the default of Teva is in and of itself. 
it transcends Teva. At least as the way Teva, nature, or the laws of nature is understood in worldly terms. Like when people use the word, the word nature or the laws of nature, for us, we know that that's elokus. But on top of that, but when you talk about a Jew, even this even this facade, even this veneer called Teva, nature, okay, this is so important for us to understand, that anything that happens to us in our life, anything that's normal is really just a cloak that obscures and obfuscates the miracles with which Hashem sustains us. So, and it's underscored nisis, and everything that's happening with us is a nes. Because it's in this way that Kaddish Baruch Hu, um, leads us and, and sustains us and keeps us alive. So let's just talk about this for, for a minute. All of the overtures that we have to make, we take ourselves to doctors, we take the members of our family to doctors, we have to go to work. So we have to make, we have to make overtures in, in, in health, we have to make overtures in Parnassa, uh, there are overtures that we make in, in every area of our life. But the Rebbe is saying, the truth of the matter is, this is just so that we can create a, a, um, a screen behind which the Abishter does his miracles. It's not the shot that we're not supposed to do these things. Of course we have to do these things. But we should never delude ourselves into thinking that it's the efficacy of our overtures that got us the result. Yes, Taka, you have to take yourself to the best doctor in the field. But that just creates the smokescreen behind which the Abishter can do what the Abishter has to do. And because we live in because the Ibishta created a world that obfuscates its, its creator, so the Ibishta is not going to say, you sit in your den with your feet up on a couch and, and, and I'll heal you. We have to go through those motions. But at the same time, we have to understand that it's all everything the Ibishta does for a yid is already a nest. And therefore, so Rebbe says, so somebody who has enlightened eyes, that's such a great term for people who are zeichet to learn the Rebbe Sichas, right? He gives us new eyes, new, new, a new vision. So person who has lit up, illuminated eyes can see the truth. That everything that's teva, and especially we talk about a Jew, is lechatchila a miracle. And when you begin to look at your life and the world around you in this way, then teva is not going to take up any space. Rabbi says, as already explained many times, perish maimer chazal. The explanation of what it says in the Gemara Yerushalmi, 
the person believes in the vivifying force of the world, meaning the Abishur, and he sells. He sells his field. He sells seeds into his field. The laws of nature that Hashem established, like it says in Parshas Noyach, that there will be different seasons and these will never cease. A Jew doesn't sow and, and, and hope to reap because of the normal seasons and the laws of nature and so on and so forth. No. Because the Jew knows that the true reason for why these seeds will, will give forth, they will flower and they will bloom. And that is what incentivizes him to sow. The true reason is because he believes in the Abishra. He believes in the Chaya Elamim. And therefore, he's going to have success in his field. Ches. Mevor bechasidus. Chasidus explains. Shedafka lemata mata b'yoysa. That it's dafka, the lower you go, that's where the highest energies and the highest inyanim will reveal and will express themselves. Okay, so this is a, a oft cited axiom in Hasidus, right? That the higher something is, the lower it will go, the lower it will lodge itself, and that is where you will find its expression. And this is, of course, also true with miracles. The miracles that we all, Baruch Hashem, experienced this morning, that we were able to get up, that we were able to rouse ourselves, that we were able to do all the things we had to do, that we're able to see each other and hear each other and learn and we're sentient. All of this that's clothed and obfuscated and, and, and masked in Teva, these Nisim are higher. The roots of these Nisim are higher than Nisim Giluyim, than if I would be able to fly. And in general, Teva, nature, its, its root is much higher than Nisim Bechlau. Nisim Giluyim, overt miracles, revealed miracles, Nimshachim Bifchinas Hagiluyim. They come from the modality that we call Giluyim, outward expression. And they are therefore circumscribed in the modality, in the vector of Gilui, of that which can be expressed. Hanes, the miracle of by necessity has to be seen in, in, in a manifest expression. But nisim hamalubashim biteva, but miracles that are presented within nature, nimshachim me'or nala yisemikilui. They come from a light that is higher than gilui, that is higher than overt expression. 
and therefore they they are they they are presented in the levushim in the garments as it were of teva. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about this. There's there's so much to say about this, but just a tiny bit about the idea of teva versus nace. I mean, like there's so much, so much about this, but just a drop. Um, so the Rebbe is saying here that Teba comes from a higher source than Nisim Bechla. And in Hasidus it's explained that Teva is the, is the ultimate expression of Achdos Hashem, of Ein Oid Milvadeh. Why? Because in a nace, there seems to be two forces. There's the Teva, and then there's the overriding force over Teva. That's what we call a Ness. But then you're saying there's like two forces, Kav as it were, right? But when you have Teva, it's, there's, there's only Atos Hashem, in Eid Milvadeh. There's no opposing forces. There's only one Balabayus Labirazet. There's only one boss to this, to this whole enterprise. That's, that's one thing that it says in Hasidus about the difference between Teva and Nes. Another Indian that it says is that what is the highest possible expression of Ein Saif, of Bleakful, of infinity, is putting Ein Saif into something that is finite. So putting infinity into finitude, that is, is the greatest expression of all. That's Teva, okay? So when you have a Ness, you have something that transcends Teva, okay? You have something that's believable. You have something that's totally infinite. But to circumscribe infinity within finitude, now that, that is a much, much higher expression than in a nace. And um, other places, this is, a, this is a, um, connected to the idea of Shloim HaMelech. That it says about Shlomo Hamelech, Yachim Min Hatipshim. Now, literally, means he was he was smarter than the idiots. He was smarter than the fools. Duh! <laughs> we know. I mean, Shlomo Hamelech is the smartest man in the world, so obviously he's going to be smarter than the idiots, smarter than the tipshim, smarter than the fools. Um, so obviously, there are many ways of explaining this, including including the conventional way that he learned from everybody, even from even from fools. But Hasidus explains that what does it take to impress an idiot? Or what does it take to teach an idiot? It, it, it takes Shleim HaMelech. In other words, you know, we have the expression, or you know, that when you have a smart person, all you have to do is just kind of hint at something. It could be a very veiled reference. They get it. But an idiot... A fool that that it takes it takes a shloima hamela. In other words, it takes the highest level of intellect, the koyach of bleigvul, to permeate into gvul and into the lowest part of gvul. The best way really to understand this is that what shloima hamela's chachma was like was undefined. Bleakville really means undefined. And that's what Shlomo Melch was able to speak to plants and able to understand the language of the animals. 
and he was and he was able to impress fools. So the idea of gvul as it has to come into gvul. So there's there's a lot more obviously to speak about, but um, those are some some ideas that that some tiny drop of the of, of the ocean of ideas and chassidus about the difference between teva and nisim. And still and all, even though um, these nisim are melubash, present themselves in, in the lavush, in the garment of tepa. So when it comes, so again, let's go through this. We have, we have Nisim, and Nisim are not as high as Teva, because a Nis has to come from a circumscribed uh, or of Giluim. So it's already defined. It's already, it's already limited. Whereas Teva comes from a place that's higher, undefined, uncircumscribed, infinite. And then you have the idea of a pella. You have the idea of the nifla ice. That the lavush, that, that this kind of overture is presented in, arouses our wonder. Until the person is able to say, wow, this doesn't happen all the time. It's, it's, it's a little bit above average. And so we understand that the makar, the source of this light, is also still in the category of gilui. And again, gilui is circumscribed, it's limited. So, of course, this is what Hasidus always does, turns everything on its head, inside out and upside down. So whereas most people would think a nace is the highest expression of what the Abishad does for us, Hasidus comes and says, no. That, that is that is a very wonderful thing, Anes, but even higher, the highest is Teva. The highest is the Yeshua's. In the middle is the Nefloes. Dafka inin hatashuis. It's Dafka, the things that happen all the time that we take for granted. Hamurais, Hamulubashim, Beteva Gufa. It's those happenings that present themselves in the guise of nature. These events flow from the atmos of Hashem that cannot be circumscribed in any type of expression. Because you can't have giluyim when you're talking about atzmos, because there can be no overt expression when you're talking about essence, these things present themselves to us like huh, nature. Like, yeah, no big deal. I can move my hands and my and my and I can blink and I can do a million neurological astounding feats in a nanosecond without even being conscious of all of this. 
We don't even think about these things. And the Rebbe says that's because the root of this, the source of this, transcends any way in which they could actually manifest. So they're all obfuscated behind what we call teva or normal. It's a whole new way of understanding how normal is overrated. So the more conventional way of understanding this is, you would say that Nisim are the first to grab our attention. They arouse our wonder and we want to thank Hashem and we want to praise Hashem. And Nifla'is would be the second category of things in our life that arouse our attention and our feeling. And then Yeshua Secha. But now the Rebbe presented Ba'emek Yisera, a whole different thing. It's in order of gradation. It's going Mikala Lakavit. It's going the lowest kind of thing is Nisecha. Then comes Nifla'is Secha. And the highest, the crescendo, the highest expression of what the Ebesha does for us that should be eliciting our gratefulness is Yeshua Secha, is the things that happen every single day, every single moment. So the Rebbe finishes, First, we thank Hashem and we praise Hashem for that which is manifest. That would be the Nisim. Afterwards, the, the light that is higher than Gilui, al nifla isecha. Olibai saif, and but the highest level, when we're talking about the vastness and the infinite nature of God's greatness, this expresses itself on the things Hashem does for us all the time, all the time, all the time. And maybe, just maybe, it just occurred to me, so I haven't thought this through, and probably you shouldn't talk when you don't think enough about it, but, um, you know, like when you think about relationships and you think about like parents and children or even spousal relationships, like there's those moments where like, wow, what you did for me, it's amazing. And then there's times where like, Maybe it's not like a once in a lifetime amazing, but it's pretty wonderful. Like, thank you. But, but the highest expression of love and loyalty and devotion is really in the Yeshua Secha, in the day-to-day pedestrian wiping of noses and other aspects of the anatomy and, and putting food on the table and doing the laundry and just just the just the plain old Yeshua Secha. That that is the highest expression. It's above Giluyim. You can't possibly manifest the level and the depth of the love that drives the day to day to day to day minute to minute things that go into to a to, into a relationship. Anyway, everybody should have. Ah, 11.02 leaves us a lot of time to praise and thank Hashem and experience all the wonders and miracles and they should help that um, 
that we should continue to get all the hamshachas that we need, all the day-to-day pedestrian hamshachas that we take for granted. And for those that need nisim v'nefloi, something very, very big, it should happen, v'toyiv hanira v'hanigla, now mamash. And um, I think that I was supposed to announce at the beginning, and if somebody knows his full name, if you could please unmute yourself, that the learning is taking place um, in, in the memory of the, of the luminous soul of Ellie Kay, who was taken from us so terribly, so tragically, um, just, just a few days ago. Eliyahu David, but I don't know his father's name. Eliyahu David Ben Avram Chaim. Thank you, thank you very, very much. I should have prepared that. And all, all the Hamshachis to the whole, whole Hanukkah and the whole year. Kol Tov. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you.